Hello, and welcome to another Fire Up Chat. I am your host, Deborah Trapin with D11. This is going to be such a fun chat. So I'm really excited to introduce you to a new friend, but truly a sister from another mister, Marguerite Cosmolo. So Marguerite uh, began her career in real estate, so that's we share things in common. So yes. she started in 1993 and helped over has helped over 3,000 families as a top producing realtor. Woohoo! So she actually, what I love about Marguerite's bio is it's not all about like I'm number one. It's I got there because I'm focused on customer experience, which we all love here around the Fire Up community. She is definitely a, a referral queen. Ninety percent of her business is from past clients. Hello, that says a lot. So according to the Wall Street Journal. Marguerite was named number seven in California and 66 in the U.S. in 2012. And we're going to talk about what that meant and what that means to her now because we're going to be talking about success. Yay. Marguerite was, uh, while still an active agent, is a keynote speaker who's spoken for companies all across the real estate space, which is another thing we have in common. And she also does some stuff with WCR, which we love as well. Yay. Yep, yep. I was the so president her, in 1999 of our local oh. chapter. Oh, look, we are definitely going to dig into that. So her passionate commitment to raise the bar in her current industry has led her to create the Masterclass Real Estate Academy, where she's coached, trained, trained <laughs> I get that out, mentored and hundreds of people in the real estate space. She developed a series of training classes and workshops that are focused on helping agents and brokers build their own version of success. There's that word again. Uh, as someone who is in the trenches, she's constantly evolving, learning, experimenting with the best ways to approach the current market so that she can bring her clients and her agent clients the very best tools to be their best version of themselves inside the real estate market. Thank you for being here, Marguerite. Oh my goodness, I love your bio. It's so fun. Thank you. I'm really excited to spend some time chatting with you. Yeah, you know, we, we've had oodles of chats over the last couple of months. Yeah, you know, we, I believe Steve Jolly was the gentleman who originally had. Yeah. Yes. Right. I think, it was, so. I think I got a back channel message from you saying, Hey, I just talked to Steve and he said, we should meet. I'm like, Woo, okay, yeah. let's do it. And we've just found so many wonderful things in common. Uh, real estate obviously being one, but working with and empowering women and yes. you know, trying new things, pivoting yeah. in our businesses. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that we've got going on. So I'd love to just kind of give the, the fire community some time to get to know you. So why don't you let them know like what it is that you're currently working on now, not real estate related, like passion project wise, like what are you doing right now that you want to share with them? So, you know, I thought a lot about this question because I know we've chatted a little bit about it. And what's interesting is since we last talked, um, a few different things have come to light. And what I know that I love, love, love is helping primarily women, but entrepreneurs and, and small business owners really find some find a way to really build their business around their life because it seems like so many times we get so consumed with our business that life like takes a back seat, right? Family and kids and friends and even most importantly yourself kind of gets pushed way back to the back. And 
I don't think it's in any kind of cruel, hurtful way. It's more of like, look, I'm trying to find a way to, to follow my dream and provide for my family and do all these things. And you can get consumed. I, I mean, it can really be an addiction in a way, right? And many entrepreneurs, I think, and women and, and self-employed are definitely those ADD kids, <laughs> you know, that now became, you know, the ADD adults. And we're all trying to figure out the best way to move forward. So I'm really, I've been inspired a lot by some of the conversations you and I have had about redirecting that a little bit because while I love the real estate industry and the real estate space, no doubt, I think that there's a, a bigger a bigger opportunity and a bigger option to get into a space that's a bit more general um, and a lot more opportunities there. I, I don't know. I'm excited about that. Like that gets me really fired up. Well, and I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about what you just said and, and go with me for a second here. So it's very similar to the journey that, that I had inside the real estate space. I realized that it actually wasn't the entire industry that I, I wanted or was called to serve. It was a segment of the industry. It was a type of person, a niche person that really was looking for that. What is that thing? They wake up and they're like, hmm, I know there's more, but what the heck is it? Like, yeah, I, my business is successful, but gosh, you know, I, I'm not feeling it anymore. So it was, I, I think the same thing that you're talking about, which is like, there's this group of people inside the real estate space that you love working with and that you love helping them take their, you know, their, their real estate business and do more with it. But you realize that there is, there are other people who are not in that industry that it would help as well. It's, right. um, I, I, I kind of joke and say that my, the fire up message is agnostic. You know, yes. it's not denominational here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, and it's, I think the fun part about that is it actually, it is, it is even more focused than saying the real estate industry where it feels like you're saying, oh, I could do so much more. It's actually, I'm going to dig in deeper. I'm going to focus even more on a particular type of person who has a particular problem and solve the problem and not label it with an industry uh, specifically. However, what I found inside inside the space is that, for instance, that's why I'm relaunching the book in 2017, so that it's specifically for independent sales professionals. And similar to, you know Hal Elrod? Yes, I do. Yeah. So I, I love what he's done with his book. I love that there are, you know, it's Miracle Morning for real estate agents and busy parents and like all these different segments because it's what you do and what you're talking about can serve lots of individuals in different areas and in different industries. Yes. So I think what's so exciting about the journey that you're on is you've taken that first step to go, ooh, I can do this in many different places. And now it's like, where's the whiteboard? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have big ones in my office next door. We've got three walls covered with whiteboards. That's the way to go. Oh, I love it. I love it. So uh, tell me, Give me an idea of when you, people usually don't get into real estate because they went to college and decided to get into real estate. Right. <laughs> uh, however, I do find that a lot of people have such great success in real estate and when it, what, it isn't something that they've been planning for years. So give, give me an idea of like what pulled you into the space and what's you know what 
the success was inside there? Like, what was it that kept you there, that kept your business growing? You know, getting to that, uh, you know, in the top 10 in the, one of the largest states in the country. Well, you know, it's funny because I was talking to somebody the other day and I, was, I had pulled out, I was going through a bunch of junk at my house and had gone into my trunk that has stuff from my childhood and I was looking through my report cards, you know, and all my report cards always said talks too much. And clearly that worked out for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was raised by a single mom and, you know, I was raised, I was born in 63. So I was raised in the late 60s, early 70s where, you know, there was not as many options for women and not as much opportunity as there is now. And I remember my mom saying, make sure you learn how to type so you always got a job. You know? She yeah. wanted me to make sure I knew how to type so that I would never be dependent on you know, a man, which was one of her concerns. And so I remember learning how to type and then I went to college for a short period of time because that's where all the boys were from all the schools. You know, I grew up in a small town and decided that college just wasn't for me. It was a challenge. I was, you know, didn't really have the money or the resources to go to school, so I was trying to work full time. So fast forward to my, let's see, I was around 29 years old, and my husband was in the mortgage business. We had a little boy, Jordan, and I had done, I'd probably gotten fired from more jobs than I got hired from because I never really worked well under authority. And <laughs> my, my husband and I owned a bar business, and that wasn't really very conducive to raising kids in. And we decided that I should get my real estate license because interest rates had dropped to an all-time low. I was going to do refis. So I got my license, went into the lending space for about a year, and hated it. Like, I hated doing loans more than anything. I hated calling on real estate agents. I just hated – I was never good at math. I hated the financial end of it. Yeah. So I went to work for a friend of mine, Luigi, who was a top-producing REO broker at the time, as his assistant. And his, his place was just a hot mess, you know, like most real estate agents, everything was in chaos. So I was trying to like answer his phones and, he, and I'm like, look, Luigi, they want to see a house. He's like, well, go show them a house. I'm like, I don't know how to show property. You know? So I went out, showed him a house. I'm like, Luigi, they want to write an offer. He goes, write an offer. I'm like, I don't know how to write an offer. So I really just dug in. It was kind of a sink or swim type of situation. I jumped in and I figured it out and I sold 18 houses in my first six months and I said, this rocks, right? Like this was really awesome. I was able to work around, I, by that time, I'd had my second son and was pregnant with my third. And so I had three kids at home and, you know, trying to figure it out and I was able to work around that and it was just amazing. I got to really help people accomplish something that, frankly, I didn't grow up seeing that experience. Most people in my family, A, didn't ever own real estate, didn't go to college, didn't have the opportunities that they did. And I remember getting my first commission check and it was like $2,700 or something. And I about had a panic attack. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe I made that much money doing that. Like that was the funnest experience I'd had helping somebody go through and buy a home. So that, I was hooked at that point. And yeah. from that point, it just became, okay, how can I do more of that? How can I create a better process and experience? Because overall, the real estate experience, honestly, for the most part, sucks. It rates right up there with death and divorce on the stress meter. That's a true story. People get whacked out and freaked out. And it's just, you become a counselor, a marriage counselor, a, you know, <laughs> a, a babysitter, a dog watcher, you know, <laughs> you're in brushing down cobwebs in people's houses. I mean, 
you kind of become this jack of all trades, right? <laughs> and truth be told, it's there's no nothing like it. I mean, even in my worst moments in real estate, I think, what the heck else would I do? Like, I mean, there have been times when I'm like, maybe I'll go get a job at Taco Bell, right? Where I don't have any stress, I don't have to think about it. You know? And then I think there's going to be stress at Taco Bell too. So it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. There's never been a job that I've had where I absolutely had unlimited potential. I can make as much money as I want. There's no boss over me. There's no one holding me back. There's no glass ceiling. And, and truth be told, there are more women in real estate than there are men. You know, 65% of the workforce are women. And it's just a great arena to be able to have that flexibility, to be able to have that time to make whatever you want your version of success to be, you can do it. I mean, there are people who are only doing six or seven deals a year, but that's bringing in thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to their family. And if they went and got a job, a regular job, they'd be working 40 hours a week, commuting another two hours on top of that, not have the opportunity to participate in their kids' events or activities or whatever that is. But that's what I love about real estate is you can create whatever version of success works for you. And I've probably been through every virgin, version, virgin, that was funny, version that exists. <laughs> so anyway. So what I love about real estate, and this is one thing that I, I, I haven't quite figured out why the association hasn't focused on this. Okay. And that is with all of the conversations that are flying around about the wage gap and you know women in leadership and women being able to be in control of their of their careers that that the real estate industry or even just local brokerage hasn't just jumped all over that because what's interesting and you know you're you're in my power women group on facebook is that there? People will post in there that so there's corp, gals from corporate America in there as well. They'll post some of those kind of wage gap, um, you know, blog posts and things. And there's a whole group who owns their own real estate company or their own book of business, and they're like, I just don't get it. Yeah. Like I I, I make the same as as or more than depending on what I'm doing, and I think that there's we're seeing it happen naturally. I think women are naturally being drawn to real estate. They're also naturally being drawn to that network marketing space where Absolutely. building relationships is the focus, not uh, you know, finding as many leads as possible that you can sit on the phone and try and find somebody who's gonna answer the phone and somebody whose house just went off the market. And, oh my gosh, you're gonna be one yeah. of 50 people going, hi! Right. Like, there are, women are naturally being drawn to it, but I think that we could be more intentional in the real estate space of letting them know, here's actually the lifestyle that you get. Now, it's not as flexible as everyone does think it is when you actually have a client. Right. <laughs> like, I remember there well, being- Well, it can be, but it can it's really be up to you, right? Like, I mean, and I think that's something that many uh, real estate agents and women in general struggle with is being in charge of your own schedule, is saying, hey, I'm not available or not coming from that desperation mode. Like, I have not worked a Sunday since I started in real estate. I mean, early on, everyone says, oh, you have to work seven days a week. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. 
So I made the conscious decision that I wouldn't work Sundays, and I don't. I still don't to this day. And truthfully, I don't work well. I don't work that much right now anymore. <laughs> but truthfully, I don't work many weekends, right? So you really have that option. Oh, let me shut down my Skype. I apologize for that. Um, you you have the option to really work when you want to work. It's a matter of explaining that to a client up front. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I think that there's, it's also, it is, you're absolutely right, setting expectation. I remember my first couple of clients, I, I felt like I was, I was on call 24-7. You know, the, the others, the, the other agents that were around me at the time, you know, maybe even words from my broker or my mentor made me feel like that 24-7 was, you know, part of the job. And, you know, I, I remember when I, when I pl finally planted in the church I'm in now, I was like, you know, this just doesn't fit. Like, I can't do that anymore. Right. Like, I have plans on Sunday. I am not going to be slave to sitting, you know, inside a house that you know, people may or may not show up at. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I will tell you that in all my years, 23 years now, the people who are most disrespectful of my time are other real estate agents. Like clients understand because I tell them that up front. I say, look, here's my schedule. I work Monday through Fridays. I work Saturdays and evenings by appointment. I take Sundays off to be with my family. So I'll get, and my voicemail even says it. So I'll get messages that say, hey, Marguerite, I know you don't work today, but I just want to leave this message. I'll chat with you tomorrow. And clients are always respectful of my time. It's other people in the industry that are not respectful of that. You know, let's dig into that a little bit because I think that, you know, that's a big part of the success conversation as well is, you know, you're, you're, you get to choose who your clients are in the space you're in. And, and even as you, as you pivot into, you know, serving the, you know, non-industry specific clients with coaching and assisting them with consulting and such, you know, you get to, you really have control over who you're choosing to work with. And I think yeah. that there's so much power in the, the moment you can say that to yourself and believe it and then follow through with it. There's a whole freedom there. I Absolutely. think, and you have, we have control over that. But I think the other side is, are our colleagues, right? The, our contemporaries it, who do have a very different work ethic, who have a very different belief in how a real estate agent should run their business or a coach or a speaker. So how do you deal with that when you've got those agents who are just downright snotty when you say, look, I'll call you tomorrow, it's my day off? Well, a couple of things. First, I would like to say that what I have learned as I've gotten older and wiser is that you have a tendency to really attract the type of people that you are. And so you have to really look within, in a lot of ways, at how are you showing up? How am I behaving? How am I acting? How am I treating other people? Because you will attract people the same way. Like a funny story, a friend of mine, Rob, I'll never forget, we were sitting at lunch one day, and he was complaining. He was complaining about how all of his clients are grinders, right? All my clients are grinders. You know, they're always trying to get the best deal. They're always trying to get a discount. They're always, you know. And I was cracking up because right there at lunch, he was on the menu talking to the waitress about what, which, which options could he get discounts on right now, and do they have any coupons available or any specials available? And I said, so you actually attract who you are, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a grinder or whatever, but you can't, that's, you're going to attract who you are. So if that's the type of person you are, that's who you're going to attract. So 
I first and foremost have learned that I need to be just as kind and respectful to other people, which, trust me, is not always easy. You know, I'm not perfect. But when I get a lot of people that are treating me poorly or not being respectful of who I am or my time, I'll tell you the first thing I do is look in the mirror and say, what am, what am I doing to attract that? Am I treating people that same way? And honestly, many times if you just stop in the middle and you take a deep breath, like I had a gal who was just going off on me one day and I stopped for a moment and I said, you know what? I'm really sorry if I somehow came across to you like this way of talking was okay. But apparently I have and I'm going to apologize for that and let's start this conversation over. Yeah. And we both kind of stepped back and took a breath, a breath and went, oh, okay, you're right. Like, it's not okay. Like, we have to get better at how we treat other people and you're going to attract people who will treat you the same. Yeah, and that's so beautiful. I think that, you know, we, we do allow people to treat us certain ways. And, you know, I think in particular, I think you have the control when it's your client. You know, yes. when you're choosing your clients, your friends, uh, where you don't necessarily have that control is, you know, the, the co-op agent or family, right? I mean, you can have family members that just drive you bonkers, yeah. but they're family. So right. there are certain people that you do need to, you know, work through the situation with when you really don't want to. So let's kind of dig into that kind of group. Okay. So you've got great clients, you're selling their house, they totally respect your time, everything's great. But then you get that call on Saturday or Sunday at like 11 o'clock in the morning where they're like, you know, you better call me back now. I don't care if you're off. Like, what is, what's your response? I don't respond. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't. Like, you know, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you another quick story is um, an agent came to me and she was complaining one day that another agent texted her at 6 o'clock in the morning. And she was so incensed. She was so upset that that agent did that. And I said, well, did you respond? She goes, yes. I told her it was rude that she was texting me at 6 in the morning. I said, why did you respond? Why did you have your phone on? Like, I would think that, you know, leaving somebody a voicemail, a text, it almost feels like leaving somebody a voicemail. Like, I think after hours, I don't want to call you at 6 a.m., but I'll text you in the morning. Right. And so when people call me, I can't tell. I've had plenty of agents call and leave me a message on a Sunday and say, I can't believe, you know, what kind of an agent are you that doesn't, you know, work on Sundays? And, you know, and I just don't even return the call. You're like, I'll call on Monday and I'll say, my voicemail even says, here's my schedule. This is when I'm available. If you're calling after these hours, I will return your call the next business day. So if I'm not going to be respectful of my schedule and my time and not honor it, then I, how can I expect others to? Oh, that is. I just so flat don't return their call. Somebody tweet that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> then, the, you know, the funny thing is, is that like I'll call them the next day, and usually when you just let things sit, they've already solved their problem. So I'll call them back the next day, and they'll go, oh, yeah, well, I got it worked out yesterday. I realize you take Sundays off. Thanks a lot. I'm like, cool. Have a great day, <laughs> you know? Right. But you got to be respectful of your own time. And that comes with confidence. I would love to say that I've always been that way. I haven't always been that way. And I get, and there are times when I'll at least check the message and I'll make the decision. I get to make the decision because I control my schedule. So right. if I really feel like it's, Oh my gosh, I've got, this is a problem. Like, you know, you got a house, you know, water explodes or, you know, something like that. I'll deal with it. But for the most part, it's, and what I hate is when an agent says, I need you to call me back right away. 
but doesn't tell me why they want me to call back, that absolutely will not get a return call until the next day. And that's and that is definitely great advice. That's for any for any industry, really. Yeah. You know, leave more information right. when you're leaving a message. Well, respect and confidence starts with you. It starts from the inside. I, I would love to say that it you know it's everyone else's job to treat you respectfully and to treat you kindly, but it's your job to 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 have that boundary of your own. It's your job to say you know what, this is not okay. I'm going to spend this time with my family. or I'm gonna, Like we think that there's all these emergencies in real estate. And you know, we're not an emergency room. We're not a hospital. We're not a doctor, right? Like there are no emergencies in real estate. There are no life-threatening, you know, somebody is going to die if we don't call somebody back in real estate. That's, that's really our own problem. That's us being so kind of coming from that, um, lack of fear that oh my gosh if I don't return that call I'm gonna lose a deal I'm gonna lose the money and that's where that really comes from and when you build your business right when you build your business by relationships and by referrals that's not that doesn't happen nearly as much I'm not gonna say it never happens but for the most part it doesn't happen you know I'm not a cold call type of agent so if somebody calls me from a Zillow ad and I, and I don't call back in three seconds. Like that's not the way that my business has been built intentionally. So a client will call me and they will always call and say, hey Marguerite, I know you're busy. Could you give me a call tomorrow when you have time? That's, those are the clients I wanna work with. Those are the people that respect my time and respect who I am and my knowledge and my experience. They respect that. But I have to respect that first. If I don't respect it, no one else is going to. Yeah, I think, you know, in workshops that I've taught or keynotes or even inside the fire up book I talk a lot about you have to define your core four but then you actually have to tell people what those core four are right so you value your family time you value your freedom of schedule like you you have things that you really truly value that you live by and if you you can't expect others to respect what you value if you don't tell them what you value. And I think that that's, you know, your voicemail does that, your, your conversations with clients tell them that. I think that's, you know, that really can be the first step. So if there's anybody listening out there who's thinking, well, wow, yeah, my clients are calling me at all hours and what do I do? Well, just change your voicemail. Start, start there. You know, here are my business hours. Set the tone. Uh, you know, something else that I find is super helpful in that, Marguerite, is when you share photos of how you spend your time, the things that you're passionate about. So if you go to church on Sunday or you have, you know, Saturday morning is little league soccer football mania time in your family. When you start consistently sharing that with your social sphere, when you're sharing pictures of, you know, your son's helmet sitting on the bench or your daughter's mitt sitting, you know, in the dugout, consistently people go, oh, that's right. She's at a game on Saturday mornings. I'll hear from her later. You can actually train people through what you share. And, and so it doesn't always have to be a verbal communication. It can be visual. Well, and, and a couple things, you know, along those lines is you don't necessarily always have to tell people that, you're doing something like that either, right? So I can say, hey, I'm not available Saturday afternoon because I have other appointments. They don't have to know what those appointments are. And 
I think that, so there's a fine line of trust and respect, to be honest with you. And, and women struggle with this more than men, I think, to define it because we think that everyone should be mind readers, right? Like they should know what's going on with us. And that's a challenge that many of us have to overcome. But here's how trust works. If I tell you something up front, for example, I tell you, you don't, I don't, I don't work on Sundays. You go, oh, okay, cool. Then when that Sunday comes along, you remember that I told you that. But if I don't tell you something up front, then that happens. You think, well, wait a minute. I, I don't know when I can call her or I don't know what she's doing or you didn't explain to me how this process works. So what else didn't you tell me? That's what naturally goes through our mind when we don't explain things to people. So if you take the time to tell them up front, here's when I'm available, here's how I work, here's what I do, people will respect that. And, you know, one thing that's come up a lot lately is I've heard and seen comments in different Facebook groups about an agent getting frustrated that their friend Sally bought a house from somebody else, right? And they're so incensed that that friend Sally bought a house from somebody else. Well, it could have a few things to do with, number one, you're a part-time agent, and they see that you're busy doing all these other things, and you're not really focused on real estate. Or they see that you're posting all the time how busy you are in real estate, so you probably don't have time for your friend Sally, right? Or the other thing the friend Sally sees is they see how you behave in certain situations, how you treat family, how you treat friends, how you show up with a lack of professionalism. And they, and they think, is she going to treat me the same way? Is she going to, you know, or you see agents complain about a client online and you're like, if you're Sally, are you thinking, I don't want my business on Facebook like that, right? <coughs> Sorry about that. So your friends and family are watching you just like clients are. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to be a different person or do anything differently. But you also have to understand that Sally is going to do what's best for her, just like you're doing what's best for you. And how you show up in one area is frequently how you show up in lots of different areas of your life. Yeah, that's that's so good. And I think that's such a great <coughs> and, and in particular, you know, the people who aren't, who don't necessarily want to share um, much of their personal or for those on the other on the other end of the spectrum, like you're saying that, Every day they get up and they, they give everybody a laundry list of what's, what their to-do list is for the day. And I think that that, you know, the folks who are doing that, who are saying, oh, I've got three escrows today and I'm showing two more houses and, you know, and, and they're kind of listing off what they're doing. I think that also comes from a, a bit of insecurity too, saying, look, I'm working really hard. I'm working really hard. Like I deserve what I have because I'm working really hard. And so I think that, you know, going through and even just taking a minute and stopping to say like what are you what are you representing to the world as far as what success means to you does success mean to you that you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off crazy all the time so busy so busy so busy or is it that you do that when you look at your schedule if you've got you know 70% of your time is with your family and your friends and you only want to work 30% of the time are you showing that I think that that's, you know, we can even just dig in right now into that, you know, how, how do people determine, how, how did you decide, Marguerite, what success meant to you? Like, what process did you go through to say, 
okay, I know that this is, these are going to be my boundaries, and I know that, that I will feel successful when I've done that. How did you do that? So I wish I could say that I had some master plan, and it was really thought out and, and detailed. But I will tell you, it really became more along the lines of where my priorities fell. And, you know, I've spent, like I said, 23 years in the real estate industry. And I started when my children were not even born yet. And so there was a time when success has meant such different things throughout those 23 years, right? Like there was a time where I just wanted to make some extra money so we could, you know, spend some more time together. We had bought a house when I first got into real estate. And we could barely afford it, so I wanted to be able to make the mortgage payment. Like that was my biggie. And then it got to the point where I wanted to have flexibility around my kids and not work on the weekends so I could be with them. Then it got to where I wanted to be able to make more than my husband. Like that was my goal, right? And then I got to where I wanted to sell a hundred homes a year. And then I did that. And I'm like, okay, what does two hundred look like? Okay, what does three hundred look like? And then I was like, all right, well that wasn't fun. So let's readjust my version of success, right? <laughs> It got to where I wanted to make a million dollars and I thought well that would be amazing like my life would change forever if I could make a million dollars so I did that but then realized but you can make a million and spend a million one so that didn't work out so well right so I had to think okay how can I make a million and spend less so that I can do more and I and I look back over my life and I think you know, there were so many different options and versions of success, and that was the best part about this industry is I could have any one of them. I could do any one of them. And, you know, so now a couple of years ago we had a big brokerage because that was the next thing. Oh, I'm going to run a big brokerage. Because that sounds there, fun. Because that sounds amazing, right? So been there, did that. That didn't work out so well. And so backed out of that and said, how can I make my kids are grown now and you know, what does it look like to be able to spend some time with my kids because they're not that interested in hanging out with me. Matter of fact, we were talking right before the show and I was saying I truly feel successful now because my son, my youngest son, John, followed me on Twitter. So I feel like I have officially arrived, right? It's like, and the only reason, I go, why do you follow me? He goes, well, I guess it was time and plus you have a lot more friends than me. So I was like, oh, so you're trying to hack my friends, right? But... I just think that it has changed so much over the years and I think when you get too attached to one version of success is when you have challenges because you're so committed to getting there and it's definitely not always what you think it's going to be when you get there. And you know, then once you get there you think, okay, well, I did that, now what? Right? So it's taken that time to really kind of look through and figure out when for me at this point in my life it's when do i feel the best when do i feel at peace and feel like i'm on the right path and and doing what moves my soul and my spirit right and if it's not doing that my favorite saying is doubt means don't sit tight until the answers are clear sometimes you just have to sit and you have to wait and you have to see what's coming along and you have to look at things and analyze stuff but when we get so committed to success being a certain thing, I think that you almost always without fail get disappointed. Because you think, oh, when I get there, life's going to be perfect. I won't have to do anything anymore. I'm all done. Yeah. So so let's kind of dig in. So you, you decided so your next step was going to be 
this big brokerage. At what point, because you don't have that brokerage anymore, correct? No. So at what point, like this is the conversation, like I love, I love the conversation about success. I think it's really good to kind of see inside, you know, the belly of the beast and, and understand what people were thinking and doing and how they define that. But I think the other beautiful side of success is failing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and admitting, let's just get like yeah, let, lay it out. Admitting you failed and doing something. So, so when you get to that point, so you're at this, you're doing this brokerage, and you're like, are you in love with it? Like, do you do you love it right from the start? Or are you like, oh my god, what did I just do? You know, I think that again, I, I think that the challenge with much success comes from comparing yourself to others, right? Like you, you get into this spot where maybe you're not so happy or things aren't quite going where they are and you think, wow, if I could do what she did, my life would be great. If I could do that. And, and I've learned, of course, that c comparing yourself to others is cancerous. Like there is nothing good that can come from it. But being in the middle of the brokerage, I'll tell you there were things that I love, love, loved about it and things that I didn't. The things that I loved about it was being able to help other agents and teach them and help them inspire them and 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 give them some guidance and some direction I loved that all the rest I could really live without right and even with the ones that I really loved there were only a few a handful that I was like I love working with those people because they're open they're coachable they're they're inspired they're willing to do the work love those people I didn't love the remaining 90% of them who, and I love them. I don't mean that I didn't like them as human beings, but as human beings, I love them. What I didn't like was constant complaining or constantly um, a lack of, of desire or lack of drive or it, lack of accountability, blaming other people. It's so-and-so's fault. I, this didn't happen because so-and-so did that. And they, like, I don't like any of that, that energy in that space. And unfortunately, there, were more, there was more of that than the stuff I loved. And I just said, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. And I think that there's so much more I could be doing in a different arena or a different capacity, which is what led me to go do more coaching and training outside of that brokerage because I was very limited in that brokerage. I couldn't go teach and train at other brokerages because they're worried I'm recruiting their agents. Right. And so it really limited me and I think that is where I've probably figured out different versions of success more is when I got into a place that I thought would be the end all and realized I could do more there's more I could do and when it comes to failure like I said I have failed I don't think that if you're I think that if you're not failing you're not trying you're not you're not doing what you need to do and I have a poster in my office that I've had since the day that I started in real estate and it's the famous Michael Jordan quote that says I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career I've lost almost 300 games I've been trusted 26 times to make the game-winning shot and missed I've failed over and over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed and I look at that poster, it's been in my office every single day. I've been offered money for it. It's not for sale. Um, I absolutely think that that has been a huge key because I've failed a lot. I've screwed up a lot. I've said a lot of stupid stuff. I've done a lot of stupid things, made some poor decisions, not been coachable, <laughs> not been open to other people's opinions and ideas. Um, and from every one of those failures, every single one of those mistakes 
has pushed me to where I am today. It has given me the opportunity to stop because so, so here's the thing when you're succeeding when things are going good you're like cruising along life is good you don't have to worry about a thing you're not really paying attention but when you get smacked in the face with failure you go okay hang on a minute let me reevaluate and if you're really good as you get older and wiser you always look within okay what did I do wrong how can I fix that when you take a hundred percent accountability for things you will find a way to fix it. The moment you blame someone else, you won't fix it. One of my favorite books is called is QBQ, The Question Behind the Question by John G. Miller. I did a great podcast with him. And I love it because he just says, the minute you blame somebody else, you're not taking accountability for it. And if you take responsibility and accountability for your part, you'll look in the mirror, you'll look and see what you did wrong. You'll find a better way to do it right. You'll treat someone differently. You'll find a way to fix it yeah. if you don't you won't find a way to fix it well and I think when you blame others you give them the control over your outcome totally. and and so why would why would we do that I think it's all it's perspective you know it's just shifting perspective we get into habits of like not wanting to take responsibility I know Jack Canfield talks about that a lot and I mean there's I love that I mean you right. can't you can't take you can't take all of the credit for all of your success and none of your failures like that doesn't totally. I wish I haven't figured that out. Right, I, <laughs> um, you know, I think that the beauty so far, if we could just quick recap, it's defining what success means to you. And one of the fun exercises that I take clients through is filling out the set, filling in the blank of "I am successful when," and they can fill that 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 sentence out with "I can." You know, do yoga in the morning before work. I can have dinner with my family five nights a week. I, whatever it might be, whatever you value, fill that blank in. So defining it is so important because I think if you don't define it, you can't recognize it. Absolutely. So you can't actually see when was I successful this week? Like I ran around and did, you know, go, 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 but where was my success? And and so I think you can recognize it and then, of course, ultimately celebrate it, right? Oh, completely. And I think that, you know, women of action, men of action, especially the entrepreneurial spirited types, we have goals, we th have things that we value, and we, we achieve, achieve, achieve every day in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And so we don't stop. To, to actually recognize that and celebrate it and give ourselves a pat on the back or, uh, you know, whatever whatever our little success thing might be. Lighting a candle, taking a bath, having a glass of wine. You know, whatever that, whatever that little element of, okay, I'm going to trigger right now, I'm going to slow down and celebrate that. Because I think that's what creates the comparison, right? Is if you don't define it, everyone else's success looks like your success. And so... Um, in, in, to crush comparison, I mean, we've touched on this a little bit, but in as you're getting ready to kind of pivot in this other into this space where you're going to be talking to more uh, general clients, right? So not industry specific. Like, what is when you think I'm going to be successful when I can? What is who is that person? What what does that sentence look like to Marguerite? So. One of my favorite things on the planet is to hang out with great people, right? And I really love attending uh, conferences and events or workshops where 
there are people that really think at a high level and I absolutely probably love that more than anything and I think that for this next phase of my life to be able to be in a room where I am hopefully facilitating an event like that where I've just got some incredible inspiring people in the room is my next version of success is being able to spend that time with them and and maybe it's not even in a big room maybe it's even sitting around a fire pit somewhere and you know just having that a conversation over some wine but I love to dig into the minds of people who think at a higher level than me and that is really the space that I want to be in and that's the direction that I feel like I'm I'm working towards I know that a few years ago I used to be a big, big goal planner and setter, and I'd lay all these goals out, and you know, I'd do my one year and three year and twenty year plan and all that that stuff. And there's value to that and merit to it. But a few years ago, I read a book that said, "What would? How about if you just narrowed it down to one word? What would that word be?" And so I did this in 2014, and my word that year was home because I felt like I had abandoned my home in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm, we're talking about maintenance and cleaning up the yard and cleaning out closets. So my word for that year was home, and we ended up doing, I looked back at all the really cool stuff that we did to our home that year. Last year, the word was change, and I had a ton of change happen and a lot of different stuff. And so I sat down last week after you and I talked, I said, what's my word going to be for 2017? And you actually gave me the word, and the word was explore. And so my word for 2017, I don't know what it's going to be like. I, I would love to say that I'm super attached to one thing or not, but I've learned to just let things go because the true magic happens in the moment. It happens right here when you're having that conversation and you're really connecting and stuff is just happening. And so that's my word for 2017 is explore. And that, I, I again, I'm not 100% sure what that means. I'm just going to let that sit and marinate and and soak it up and see what that looks like but I'm looking forward to this next year and this kind of next chapter of my life and being able to spend that time figuring out what that version of success is for me but in my mind right now it's how can I create opportunities where I can just hang out with amazing people and pick their brain and learn where this amazing life that we live where it's going Wow, that's so beautiful. And you know what I love? I, I love the word explore because it can mean a lot of things. And during the process of defining what your core values are or writing your soul tank list or any of, those other, any of the other kind of the bucket lists, all these lists that we create as, as humans, I think what that allows, what the word explore, it, and it covers all. It's like an umbrella word. So, you know, you're having a bad day and you're like, hey, my word's explore. What am I going to do? Okay, well, I'm going to just get in the car and drive down a street I've never driven down. Or, you know, sit on a bench I've never sat on before. Like, there, you, can, you can live that. You can, you can truly translate it into a lot of things. Exploring a new conference. and You know, sitting in a different seat on the airplane. Like, I am a creature of habit with that. I, love to <laughs> I, think, there, I think it's just, I think there's so much beauty in that and that's, Again, you, when you define it, when you define, I know I'm going to feel successful in, in, at, at the end of 2017, when I can say, I've explored. 
Yes. And and so, you know, we obviously we both are encouraging everyone who's listening. Okay, what is your word? Yeah. Like put put some thought around that. Put some thought into you know what is that word? What's funny is in 2016. Well, obviously, I guess it was the end of 2015 that I chose my 2016 word, but I I choose I chose the word unstoppable. And usually what I do is I choose like this big word and then I have these other little like, kind of like side words that yeah. go with it, right? And it's usually my cover image for the first 90 days of the, month, of the year. And, and what's interesting is the word unstoppable wasn't the, wasn't the version of unstoppable I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and that funny life is what happens when you're busy planning, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, there was so much change that, instead of it being like, you're not going to be able to stop me, I'm going, 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 it really was, that's not going to stop me. Right. And, and so I think that there's, there's power and there's, there's beauty in that too, knowing that you, when you choose your words, when you choose, you know, when you define what that success means to you, it, you can see it in many different ways. And you can find that happiness inside you without having to look at other people to see what they're doing and what's making them happy. Uh, and that leads into, you know, just encouraging everyone that what you see on social media isn't always, and isn't the truth. I mean, it's, it's true. It's just the highlights. Yeah. The, 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 highlight yeah, the highlights is the best way to describe it because like even think about what you post on social media. Like I, it, it's a very filtered world, you know, for me of what I post and what I don't post. And, you know, so somebody looking at my life from the outside looking in would think, wow, you know, you got it all figured out. And I don't, you know, I mean, we're all struggling with the same types of issues and challenges and feeling not enough and feeling, you know, insecure and feeling like you could do more, you wish, you know, and I, I, I think that, I'm just working myself on getting more comfortable with being okay with exactly where I'm at. And looking back at what I have done, I mean, I'm pretty proud of all the stuff I've screwed up. I've done some pretty good stuff. And, you know, mostly importantly to me, I've raised some really great kids. Over Thanksgiving, I got to hang out with my now adult children, you know, at Thanksgiving. And we're out sitting around the fire, having this big old fireside chat and having kind of some deep philosophical conversations. And I remember feeling in that moment, like so happy, like I knew that my kids had heard me somewhere along the line because of what was coming out of their mouth. I knew somewhere the times that I didn't think they heard me, they heard me. And, and that to me felt like an amazing moment of success. And I hope to just have more of those. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so good that and so encouraging, I'm sure, for especially for the lot, a lot of the moms or parents that are listening, that sometimes you don't necessarily know what they, your kids are listening, but it is soaking in. And, you know, I think being vulnerable and sharing stories is so important. I remember a couple of years ago, I took this, like, thankful challenge on social media. And it was, you know, like, for starting November 1st through Thanksgiving, you had to post one thing a day that you were thankful for. And my number one post, number one liked, commented, shared on, was this picture of this of an of a, a woman's eyelash, like her eyelashes, with a teardrop coming from it. And the post was about how thankful I was for all of, of the relationships that were no longer in my life. 
Oh. And, and that I was so thankful for the pain and the experience that I went through with each of them because I needed those lessons. Yeah. And, and that I was sad they were gone, but I was so thankful for that, for that experience. And it was, I mean, I, like it makes me want to cry now just thinking about yeah. like just opening yourself up and just sharing that, yes, you know, I have a lot of great friends, but I have, I have friends that are no longer part of my life. And I learned big fat lessons in those moments. Yeah. And those aren't always, you don't always share, yeah, I broke up with my best friend today. Like yeah. <laughs> those aren't things that you normally yeah. share. Yeah. But when you do, it allows people in. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily going to be my word for next year, but actually sharing more of those bits of the journey along the way, I think is huge. Being vulnerable is important. And I think that what you're saying as far as, you know, embrace the failure, love, love the success and love the failure. Like that, that's vulnerability. That's, I think we all love that. We all want to connect to that. We're so tired of vanilla. You know, we really, it's like, I, I don't mind vanilla ice cream, but I always have a little something else with it. Yeah. Butter, chocolate, or cinnamon, or something. You know, yeah. so your spice. There's, I would say that um, the vulnerable place is where we actually connect. All the rest, we don't. We're like, it's almost like you're scanning through. You're flipping through stuff until you see somebody open up a little bit. And I know for me, I, I, I want to say that that's been a huge part that has contributed to my success in the real estate world is being able to say, I've been there too. I screwed that up too. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I did that and it sucked. You know, it's like, when, when you open that space up, that creates that opportunity for somebody to say, oh, you're human. Yeah. Oh, you're not all that, that you post. You're just like me. Like everyone wants to be acknowledged. Everyone wants to feel important. Every human being does. It's a core, a core part of our lives that we want to feel like somebody can hear us. Somebody can see us. And when we open that door to say, this is who I am. They're like, oh my gosh, I am too. And that's, I think, what we need more of. Like, we're in this world that is so connected in so many ways via social media and phones and the whole world. But so many of us are actually craving that connection, that true connection that says, wow, you did it too. Oh, it's not just me. I'm not the only one who screwed that up or made that mistake or did that. I'm normal too. Like, we all want to feel that. And that's what I really love about some of the new ways of social media, being able to talk like this with you. I mean, you're thousands of miles away from me, but to be able to see your pretty face and, you know, see the light in your eyes. And, you know, it just brought a thought to my mind. I remember when my kids were little and somebody said to me, all a child wants is for when they walk in the room for your eyes to light up. And the truth is, I don't think that that's just children. That's human beings. When you walk in the room and someone says, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Like, I'm so excited to see you. It just, like, fills your soul. And we need more of that, in my opinion. Oh, my goodness. I completely agree with you. That is so true, I think. And, it, and that's, a, that's an actionable thing. That is something that each of us can absolutely do. Do it tonight with your spouse, with your kids, with your friend. Do it today. 
Yeah, it's so it's such an easy thing to do, and and you know I think that it doesn't. We don't being vulnerable isn't about just sharing what failed or what what went wrong. It can also be lessons that you learned. You know, I'm I'm working now on a post about that virtual conference that I put together, and some serious lessons that I learned in there, and. I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and excited to post it all in the same breath. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really need to get it out. I need to get the conversations out there. And, 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 I also, and there's some not so pretty things in there, you know, that were related around ego and, and people not following through with their word and some things that, like, I'm like, do I want to say that? I'm like, yeah, I actually do want to say that. Because I think that we, when we don't, call each other out on it and even just as a general human characteristic or attitude we don't necessarily see it in ourselves right and so we don't have if somebody isn't saying hey did you do this like was this you did you say you're gonna do something and then not do it <laughs> you know we actually have an opportunity to become better together so well I want to give you huge kudos though in actually doing that event first of all um, because it, it was really just like a spark and a conversation and then next thing I know you're like putting on this thing you got amazing people you put a ton of time energy and your heart and soul into that and it was incredibly inspirational and raised some money for a very very worthy cause and person so uh, my hat is off to you for for putting that whole thing together and I know it turned out amazing despite some of the behind the scenes you know stuff that the rest of the world didn't see um, it, it, it's just an inspiration what you did and and I, I really hope that I can do something similar with you in, in the future absolutely and I think you know that's one of the big lessons that I learned is wow this actually could be a wonderful platform to serve others even deeper inside right. my home. and and how can I create this platform for you know 11 other people to come alongside yeah. and who are they and what is their message and and really weaving together a beautiful community that does this and it is for good so I think yeah the, the lessons that I learned I needed I needed those lessons I needed those people who didn't follow through I needed those people who why am I not this or why am I not that to go oh okay I need to be aware of that that, that actually exists okay so I need to move on and I need to do this and Right. And so it's so helpful, and I think that you know, the older we get, the more comfortable and confident we get in, in our calling and in our purpose and what we're meant to do. It's so much easier to not take offense when that happens and to just go, oh, lesson, I just learned something, hooray, and, and actually see the positive in it. So, wow, okay, so we could talk a million hours. <laughs> you know, I've already written down three more topics for us, so I think okay. like. We need to have a chat at least every other month next year. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And, and just dig in and have some some good, you know, girl talk over tea, over wine, depending on what time of day we decide. I got my glass. I got my cup. Look at no that. filter. <laughs> I love it. No filter. Awesome. So before we say au revoir, what is what, what is on your heart that you're thinking? Oh, I wish I would have said that. Or I've got this really great thing I want everyone to join me on. What what what's on your heart to share? I would say that what's on my heart to share right now is that we are recording this right now here, right before the holidays, 
And I really encourage people to take that time to shut things off, you know, care, spend that time with people that they care about and get to know them at a deeper level. You know, take out the judgment, take out the criticism, take out the what you did to me 470 years ago. Take all of that away and remember that the most important thing that we can do is to love each other and just be grateful for that time, that space, and that energy that is currently in our life. And so we all got plenty of time to hit the ground running in January. We only got a couple weeks left of this year. And I just really encourage people to slow down a little bit. You know, like we don't have to keep up with the mama with the elf on the shelf. We don't have to keep up with whoever is doing what. And my favorite gift, you can ask any of my children what my favorite gift of all time is, is a love letter. And so I ask my kids all the time and they write them to me and my husband write me love letters. And that's my favorite thing. So write some love letters this year. Sit down, whether you have are able to provide a gift or not, write a letter, right? Tell them what they mean to you and how important they are to you. And I got some exciting things that are going to be going on next year, but I think right now, write more love letters and let people see that light in your eyes. Oh, so beautiful. I feel like I'm going to cry. I love it. Well, I'm, again, so thankful for you joining me today. And I am definitely sure we are going to be having many more conversations about some really killer topics in the future. Uh, what is the easiest way, the number one way, for the Fire Up community to get in touch with you, Marguerite? Oh, did I lose you? Are you there? Oh, there you are. Yay! Ah. <laughs> you cut out for a minute. I didn't hear that last part. Oh, okay. So what I was saying is, what is the number one way people can get in touch with you? If they've got a question or they want to have a chit-chat with you, what's the easiest way for them to reach you? So a couple ways they can go to marguerite.crispillo.com, add your name to my list, and you'll get emails and different things from me. And of course, I love Facebook and Twitter, so you can check out my profile on Facebook. I have both a business page and a personal page, but I post all the same stuff. So Facebook, Twitter, I'm in all those arenas. I don't quite have Snapchat figured out because my son will not show me Snapchat. But <laughs> for the most but I forgot I need to take a picture too before we go today. So let me take another picture. I did one on oh, Snapchat. Are we going to be on Snapchat again? No, we're done with Snapchat. Okay. That was it. Let me see if it turned out good. No, we got to take one more. So we're being normal. Okay, ready? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, cheese. Awesome. Okay, so I'll post that one on Facebook. So yes, they can get a hold of me on Facebook. They can go to marguerite.crispillow.com. And I just want to say before we go, I'm super honored to get to spend this time with you. I've adored talking to you more um, lately, and I think you're awesome, and I look forward to doing more stuff with you in the future. Oh, it is so mutual, my friend. I'm so excited to just spend some more virtual chat time and, you know, find more opportunities to have in real life because, of course, everything that's social or digital yeah. is all about filling in the in-between time to the yeah. big books. So. Uh, thank you so much again for being here. Fire Up Community, make sure you connect with her as always. There will be tons of information inside the blog post that will be one or two clicks away. So if you missed how to get in touch with Marguerite, it will be below, as well as lots of fun questions that we asked her before she joined us on the show. So read through some of her uh, Q&A, get to know her a little bit better in other ways. 
Again, thanks so much for being here, Marguerite. Everyone, I'm sure, is going to slow down, enjoy the holidays, define what their success is, so they start 2017 off with a big, gorgeous bang. Yep. Thanks so much for being here, too. Take good care. Au revoir. Mwah.